It was June 2021. For the previous two and a half years, the violence in Port-au-Prince had been growing and growing. Each month, things seemed to deteriorate further. Gangs were creeping into more and more territory, the police seemingly more and more enfeebled. But suddenly, the pace of change started to speed up. It felt as if you had been the frog in a slowly heating pot of water. This change in June was the equivalent of noticing that bubbles were rising from the bottom. Everyone in Haiti knew that the situation would soon boil over. The battle in Matissan, a neighborhood in South Port-au-Prince, had taken a turn to total anarchy. The battle between two factions had turned to all-out war, with automatic machine guns and firing throughout the day and night. Previously, there had been a semblance that the police cared about this region. They had a police station in the middle of the zone. But on June 1st, the station was attacked. Police fled. The Doctors Without Borders post was then hit with gunfire. The announcement came that they were evacuating the clinic. This, of course, from an organization familiar with working in the middle of war zones. The bank was overrun. Three massive wholesale food warehouses were looted. Companies that combined supplied some 30% of the food staples to the country of Haiti. We all began to see photos and receive messages of people fleeing the zone. A reported 18,000 people that previously lived in the slum fled the sector. And when you hear about people fleeing here, know that Matisson was already a terrible place to live. Remember, no one wants to live in a rundown area. They often live there because there's no other choice. These people were now being forced out of their last option. More than a thousand took up residence in a sports complex to the south. Our board encouraged us, my wife and I, to leave the country for a couple weeks to allow the situation to calm down. Although the world was not paying attention, it was all anyone in Haiti could talk about. We all knew that something was coming, a revolution, a civil war, a coup. And then something did happen. In the early morning of the 7th of July, armed mercenaries broke into the residential home of President Jovenel Moise, assassinating him in his bedroom. Everyone remembers the assassination. The world learned about it in part because of its brazenness. But few people remember the terrifying days that led up to it, the palpable sense that something was going to happen. And much of it centered on southern Port-au-Prince. Today we're going to talk about this zone, Matissan. The area is still abandoned by many. The police and Doctors Without Borders have not returned, nearly a year later. The government has tried to pretend like it does not exist. We are going to discuss the intricacies of the south side of Port-au-Prince. As in the past, look in the description of the episode for a link to a map showing the different gang zones. There will also be a link to a video that describes the various gang positions on the map. I would again encourage you to do that even before listening to this podcast, because otherwise it will be very, very hard to visualize. In our first episode, we focused on the situation in central Port-au-Prince, and the importance of that zone is somewhat intuitive. I think we can all understand that if you control the port and you control the government buildings, you buy yourself influence. But to understand the south side of the city, all you need to know is geography. And gangs intuitively understand this. First, you need to understand the ways you can get into and out of Port-au-Prince. The city is on the coast in the middle of Haiti. The side opposite the coast is a wide valley that leads to the Dominican Republic, surrounded by towering mountains over a mile high. This corridor to the Dominican Republic is important, and we'll talk about it more in the next episode. Suffice it to say, that way lies danger. To the north, you have Quadibouquet. Lastly, the primary southern inlet to the city is through the little slum of Matisson. Here, the national highway skirts the coast, 
with the mountains rising rapidly on the other side of the road. It's like Thermopylae in the movie 300. Anyone who holds the pass can effectively cut off the entire south of the country of Haiti and the 2.1 million inhabitants that live there. Now, little known before the crisis, there is an additional way. Much like the movie 300, there is a small little path in the mountains that can bypass the region. To get there, you need to go well above the capital, above Peschenville, to the area of Laboule, into a region normally inhabited by the elite of Haiti. Not surprisingly, these areas are center stage for some of Haiti's most fierce gang wars. And let me take an aside to talk about the term gang. This might conjure up images in the American mind. I would kindly ask you to erase those. These gangs are more like militias, led by warlords. It's almost like Somalia, except no ethnic groups are involved. These militias know that if they can hold the Southern Pass, they can tax, rob, and kidnap people who pass by. In general, Gangs in Haiti are not motivated by ideology. They are motivated purely by money. Into the crowded space of Matissan, you will find three of Haiti's most notorious gangs. Forgive me, this whole series will include a lot of Creole names and places, but I will try to make sense of them. You need to keep track of these three places. Village de Dieu is the first. That's, of course, French for the village of God. It's ruled over by a man named Izo with his gang Five Seconds. If we look at the coast road, they are on the ocean side. Next is Tilapli, which translates into Little Rain. He rules over the Grand Ravine Gang, so named because of the neighborhood where they are based. And lastly, there's Chrisla, or Christ is Here, a gangster who rules over the Tibois, or Little Wood Gang, again named because of the neighborhood. These last two, Tilapli and Chrisla, are both on the other side of the road, the mountainside. Crisla is a little south of Tilapli, but their territories abut each other. This area of the capital has always been dangerous, but as we talked about, since June 2021, it has been a scene of great tragedy. Now the area is mostly empty, but people have no choice. If you want to get from southern Haiti to Port-au-Prince, you have to take your chance. And Haiti is not like the United States. For nearly any government service, you must come to Port-au-Prince which means that thousands of people must still pass through this area. Gangs lie in wait as tap-taps trundle along, carrying people through the area. Perhaps a majority make it past, but the odds of being robbed and kidnapped are enormously high. Let me give you some background on these three gangs. Village de Dieu is the most notorious slum in Haiti among Haitians. Remember, it is on the ocean side of the road. To be sure, it is sometimes overshadowed by its more famous counterpart, Cité Soleil, But if you talk to someone in Port-au-Prince, Village de Dieu is the scariest of them all. It was once the purview of one of the most powerful Haitian gang leaders ever, Arnel Joseph. Arnel converted the seaside slum into one of the first no-go zones in the city. Village de Dieu became the beating heart of a widespread network of terror, kidnapping, rape, and robbery that extended to the north and south of Port-au-Prince. Since 2018, police have not been able to enter the actual neighborhood. Now, Joseph was finally arrested in 2019, and last year he was shot and killed during an escape attempt from prison. In the leadership gap that was left when Arnell went to prison, his friend Izo stepped in. Not much is known about Izo other than the rap videos that he posts on YouTube for his aspiring musical career. The gang, known as Five Seconds, is brutal. The police have tried several times over the last few years to enter the slum. Unfortunately, last time they did, their armored car was lured into a hole by the residents and then burned. 
Another armored car was also captured, and four police officers were killed. Their bodies never recovered. The second gang, Grand Ravine, is led by Tila Plea on the mountainside of the road. His territory is immediately next to the territory of Krisla in Tibois. Krisla is the only one of these three gangs that is in the G9. If you remember, this is the alliance of downtown gangs led by Barbecue. And this affiliation will feed your understanding of the region. In large part, you have Krisla with G9 versus Izo and Tilapli. The problem in Matissan is part and parcel with the little village of La Boule. In early 2021, as the three gangs in Matissan continued to make the road there dangerous, more and more people took that alternate path I mentioned up and up above Port-au-Prince to the turnoff in La Boule. This allowed them to bypass the dangerous area and still go to the south. But the situation in La Boule has become complicated. This mountain village, previously known primarily as a stop on the way to the rich enclaves above Port-au-Prince, has become another theater in the war for Matisson. The area had long been held by a rich gentleman named Toto. Toto is a man who developed his wealth from a massive sand pit in La Boule. The sand is used to build most of the concrete buildings that are present throughout Port-au-Prince. Later, he moved into real estate and then made a massive fortune running one of the Haitian lotteries. He previously enjoyed total control of the important path around Matissan, but in the last few years, this has been challenged by the people in the area. Toto hired Chrysla from Matissan to bring his gang and exert control over this little region. And this is not uncommon. The wealthy in Haiti frequently hire gangs to provide security or intimidate their rivals. But remember one crucial fact. Chrysla is in G9. That means he had the backing of Barbecue and his vast alliance. Now the people in the region who were against Toto then called on those gangs that were not in G9. Remember, Tilapli and Izo are not in that alliance. So Tilapli and Izo sent soldiers to the area, and they put them under the command of Izo's cousin, a man named Timakak, or Little Monkey. Thus, a vicious war broke out, essentially a proxy war of the Matissant gangs. The best analogy from history is from the Cold War. The United States and the Soviet Union were so frightened about the specter of war between them that all across the globe, we sought to play out the battle in other countries. In conflicts in Africa, Cuba, South America, and Southeast Asia, the United States would support one side and the Soviet Union the other. Fortunately, the U.S. and the Soviet Union never devolved into outright warfare. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said of Matissan. As the battle waged in La Boule, and deaths mounted, the contagion spread down the mountain to Matissan. And that is what tipped off the conflict we talked about in the beginning of this episode. Roughly, you had the pro-government G9 alliance, led by Barbecue, supporting Chrysla in Matissan. On the opposite side, you had anti-G9 forces under Tilapli and Izo. The gunfights were brutal, bodies lying in the road for days. And so where are we now? There is no peace. An earthquake hit the southern peninsula in August of last year. The death toll of 2,248 made it the deadliest natural disaster in the world in 2021. But of course, remember that to reach the south, you must pass through Matissan, or, as a last resort, La Roule. In the days following the disaster, all the gangs announced a temporary truce. Sadly, this did not hold. Nearly all earthquake aid, which was admittedly not very much, had to be flown into little town airstrips to bypass the zone. And this is roughly where we are now. You can pass through these zones, 
It's not 100% that you'll be kidnapped, but the odds are high, and passing through with trucks and supplies makes you a ready target. In the last year, two planes have crashed trying to fly around the area to bring people to the south, both killing all on board. The situation remains untenable, and people have not returned. We've now discussed central and southern Port-au-Prince. We find Haiti's government handicapped and the southern entrance blocked off. All that is left are the northern entrances across the river. But for both, you must pass through a city that sends a shiver down anyone's spine. Quadibouquet, the land of the Maozo. Mm-hmm.